Hello and welcome to E3, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about architecture, building science, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. Hey everyone, it is Black Friday and uh, today I'm actually just going to blather on about a bunch of different things. Um, Things that popped into my mind, into my head over the last couple of weeks and um, especially with this big holiday where we have a lot of retail going on. So hope you enjoy, um, but just some light fun questions today I think. One of the first things that came to mind today was actually um, Sears. So as we're saying goodbye to some retailers and people are moving away from the traditional stores, um, it actually brings me back to Sears and they were a catalog company and they used to sell kit houses um, back from the early 1900s through the 40s uh, when World War II made it so that it was difficult for people to get lumber then so anything that was non-essential basically stopped happening um although they did in the later 40s and early 50s make a panelized construction for workforce housing they were really a leader in our industry um, bringing about both panelized construction and uh, kit of part houses and now for you know home plans that are available for people to purchase both online and in other ways and there was a lot of speculation that they stopped doing these houses because um, it got too expensive and it got too complicated but in reality they met all of the regulations for the time period and what really happened was uh, World War II and they made it so that it was really difficult to get lumber so it was difficult to get a um, kit brought to somebody's house because they essentially made it so that non-essential building didn't really happen anymore. So it's kind of sad to see that having gone away in the 40s. Um, I still look back at that. I have a friend who has a Sears home in Cape May and it's still absolutely beautiful. It was a kit house. It was from their modern line. It wasn't from the later series of panelized construction, but it brings me back to this idea that we have been trying or attempting panelization and kit part houses for years and years and years and yet we still seem to be doing a lot of stick building so just thinking about Sears and the fact that a lot of these big retailers are um, you know going away in lieu of people buying things online um, it, it reminded me of that today on Black Friday and it's kind of sad to see that portfolio go and I think it would be super awesome if somebody brought back the uh, Sears portfolio of houses and we figured out how to make them for modern day today. So you've heard me talk about it a little bit before. I have some of my customizable plan sets on my website working on this idea of the Good House Guild where um, we're going to put together plan sets from many architects uh, first starting just in the New England area because High-performance homes are really specific to the climate in which you're building them in. So we want to start with just one market and see how that might be scalable in the future. But um, to create this place where you could land and get a semi-customizable plan set that's a high-performance home with the architect or designer still involved in the process so that you make sure that you get all of your 
questions answered. We help the builder to understand all of the nuances of high performance building. And we also have the ability to have somebody local to your area, um, you know, a HERS Raider or an architect with uh, energy performance skills to be able to come to the job site during construction and just verify systems and insulation that's been put in place. So super excited about the future of the Good House Guild. Um, hasn't quite started yet, so I'm kind of introducing that here. Um, and while I'm introducing things, I'm also planning to um, do one guidepost per month from the Pretty Good House as a webinar series. And uh, January, we'll start with economics and finances. And so hoping that if you're a homeowner, you'll pop on. If you're a builder, architect, designer, or other high energy efficiency uh, professional that you'll recommend it to your clients or your mailing list, I'd love to have several people on. We'll do a little song and dance, maybe 15 minutes to introduce the guidepost. Like what does economics for building a pretty good house mean? And then open it up for questions for homeowners so that people can start asking the questions that they want to know about why they would do this, what makes sense, um, both financially and for your health reasons. And um, it'll go through the whole series, everything from economics all the way through verification and owner-occupant behavior at the end of next year. So 2020, we're going to be doing that. Check out prettygoodhouse.org to see what those guideposts are and some more information about that. We'll have lots of different specialists hopefully on. You'll probably see myself. You'll see Mike Maines. You'll see um, Bob Swinburne. And then potentially somebody who is really an expert in each one of these guideposts. So I profess to know a lot about building science, but I don't know everything. And it's always great to have multiple different perspectives on it. If you've ever been on any kind of building science forum or to any of the BS and beer or building science workshops that we've done, you'll know that as a building science community, we never all agree. Um, we definitely agree on the science, but we don't necessarily agree on how to get to an achievable level. So it's, it's really fun because there's, you know, 10 different ways to do just about anything. And so I'm hoping that the webinar series is going to be light. It's going to be able to open up for questions for people who want to come on and just ask more about it. Um, you know, the, here's your five cents for ask the architect or, you know, ask the professional. Um, it's going to be free webinar series, so it won't be five cents, but, um, like share comment, pop on, um, Keep looking for information from me in the month of December and early January, aiming for the first webinar to be sometime in the third week of January. So plenty of time to still plan for that. Join our mailing list on my website, www.matramarch.com, so that you can continue to get updates on it. I do a monthly email that goes out with links to articles that I've read that I thought were interesting, upcoming events, um, what's been on the podcast for the last couple of weeks, um, and a highlight on a Good House Guild plan set, either by myself or from another designer architect in the group. So anyway, those are just some things that are going on, but 
Back to this notion of Black Friday, and I am in the office. I am not out buying things today. Um, and in fact, what I did this morning was go to the gym to work off that turkey I ate yesterday. So uh, that was my plan for today. I did not get up at four o'clock in the morning and stand outside at uh, Best Buy or uh, Walmart or any of those. In fact, I skipped all of those retailers. I do like uh, Cyber Monday where I can order from home because as I mentioned before when I was talking about Sears, we're really moving towards an online society. But um, I like to just try to be really mindful. And uh, if you caught the podcast a couple weeks ago with Corinne from Tiny Homes of Maine, I thought she was really smart when she said, when you live in a tiny house, you don't necessarily not have things, but when you go into a retail store, you know, be it Target or Walmart or wherever you go, and you see all of the beautiful things that they've created for Christmas decorations, because, hey, it's Black Friday, we've, we're listening to Christmas music, we're watching Christmas movies, we're decorating. You have to think about, does my house have space to bring this thing home? Do I want this badly enough to introduce it to my space. And I think that we often forget that the more things we have, the more things we have to manage. Um, so for me personally, and this is not a, a, a dig on anyone else out there because we all have to, to think about that. But for me, it was a little bit eye-opening to hear that and say, oh yeah, like I'm going to really think about whether or not I want or or need this because, you know, oftentimes we will go out and we'll buy something, we'll think that will make us happy and then the high of buying is over and, you know, it didn't solve the problem. For me, um, I often joke that I am uh, really interested in building science and being an architect and I'm a terrible housewife. <laughs> um, I hate to do the dishes and, you know, vacuum the floor because you have to pick everything up first before you can even clean your house. And so I kind of love the idea or the concept of tiny house where if you only have 400 square feet, you only have to clean 400 square feet. And if you only have two plates, you only have to wash two plates. And, um, Although I am not a minimalist, probably by any means. Uh, in fact, if you see my office right now, it looks like something blew up in here. But um, just a reminder here on Black Friday that everything that we buy has to have a place in our house. And then you have to manage that thing that you have. And what's the life cycle analysis of that piece? That was another thing that came up. Um, and I can't remember if I talked on, about it on the podcast with Darius last week, or um, if it's something that I've just talked to some other people about, um, you know, in passing, because, hey, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, I like to talk a lot. So anyway, um, the clothing industry and fast fashion is trying to make things that are more sustainable. So they're trying to use recycled plastic in clothing, but that doesn't necessarily have an upcycle value. So once that clothing is ripped, torn, out of date, what happens to it and can it be recycled into something else? Whereas a plastic bottle that gets recycled into another plastic bottle has a very similar life cycle. Although I don't cling to know everything about plastic recycling to know if the quality of that plastic after it's recycled is as good as it was and eventually will it stop being able to be recycled again. But that 
Not enough people are actually recycling the plastic for other industries to be absorbing that plastic into something else. And then for that to potentially not have an upcycle, but be downcycled into clothing. So um, if you look up fast fashion, and I'll see if I can add some links to, uh, to the blog, or I mean to the show notes here, on some of that is, you know, where does this clothing go after people get rid of it? Or, you know, how much of the clothing that gets donated to, you know, um, places like the Salvation Army actually gets put out on the shelves for other people to buy? And if it doesn't go there, are there mounds of of fabric in some other country where it, it can't get processed? And, you know, how is the labor trade treated um, where they're growing fabrics for, you know, consumption in fast fashion. And so we've sort of moved along to this whole idea of, you know, getting new stuff and what's the current trend. And um, if you've ever met me, you've known that I'm probably not very trendy, which is perfectly fine for me. I have a very interesting sense of style. And um, I also really like things that last a long time. I still have pieces and articles of clothing that I wore uh, in college and in high school. So um, not everything fits and we often outgrow the things that we have and that's perfectly fine. There's also, you know, people sort of moving towards, can we make insulation out of recycled jeans or recycled clothing, um, which is kind of an interesting idea of what could you do with these things afterwards. So just a reminder on Black Friday that we, you know, I stay in so that I don't get involved in impulse buys when I go out and then end up with a bunch of things that I don't actually need. And then I have to manage in my house. So um, years ago, I started doing adventures with my nieces and nephews. So instead of buying them toys and things for their birthdays or for Christmas, I started taking them to do things with my husband and I. And yes, I am hopelessly, hopelessly behind um, for my one niece and nephew who were both born in September. And um, I have a plan for their birthdays, but uh, managing my husband's schedule this fall has been a little bit crazy. And it's more fun when we get to do it all together. So I do have a plan for their birthdays. And um, I'm super excited to take them out to do some stuff, um, especially my niece, who's a teenager now, who's old enough to enjoy some things that are possibly more grown up. Um, so I'm very excited about that. But that brings me back to the whole Black Friday idea. And as you're thinking about Christmas gifts, and things for your family, um, adventures are so much fun. And um, aside from we did buy my one niece a um, Curious George when she was quite small that she still has and carts around. For the most part, they don't remember the things that we buy, but they do often say to me, hey, auntie, do you remember that one time when we went to the circus? And that just, you know, that is the gift that keeps on giving because it means something special to them and it means something special to me. And then when they remind me of those things that we've done together, it's, you know, it's just awesome. So that's my little spiff on Black Friday. And by no means am I, you know, good at not buying things that I probably don't need. Um, but it's just kind of an, another thought, like I should take another step and think about this a little bit more. Do I need it? Do I want it? How will it be recycled? How long can I keep it? What's the life cycle of this 
piece of equipment, clothing, um, electronics, anything that you might have. So um, that's my little spiff on Black Friday shopping. And to end the podcast, I always do a you don't know what you don't know segment. And I learned something new this week. And I like to say that I learned something new on every job site. There's always a team member who brings something to the table that I learn or um, somebody that brings something up. But what I learned this week, um, and one of the other reasons why I love working with Patrice as a contractor is she, she tells me all of these things. And that makes me a better architect. It makes her a better contractor. But we learned this week that, um, If you have a heat pump system, you need to have an electrical outlet on the backside of your house where your compressors are. That was something new that I didn't know this week, and I learned that. And so moving forward, now I'll be able to remember it. And again, this is something that your heat pump contractor or your electrician might already know. Maybe they're already doing it, but it was something that I didn't know. And so from now on, I can add that onto my plan set so it doesn't get missed if it's necessary. So... So this week's You Don't Know What You Don't Know is that I didn't know I need an electrical outlet on the backside of all the houses that we design that have heat pump compressors. So there you go. We hope you enjoyed it. Reach out, leave me a message, or leave us a comment on Apple iTunes if you're listening to the podcast. You can also leave comments on the website if you're listening to the podcast on the website. Leave us a note, a comment, send me an email emily at matramarch.com. Let me know what you'd like to hear about, if there's a special guest that you'd like to see us have on the podcast, or if you like to listen to me just ramble on about nonsense. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Enjoy your Christmas holiday season as it comes up. If you're out shopping for Black Friday, have a great day. Enjoy and have a wonderful holiday weekend. We'll see y'all next week.